Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. Rate this show. Review this show. Subscribe to this show. I'm trying to do this as affirmatively as possible. Smash that subscribe button. Tell people you listen to Lame Stream Sports. It would mean a whole lot to us if you shared the product with one of your friends. It would mean a lot to us. That's all. Sure. Just one. We're going to ask you to do two things. Share the show and go to Jasper's. So it's the next evolution of the sports bar. It's over on West End. The parking is free. The game room is awesome. The food is great. You know every single thing there is to know about Jasper's. Um, Many people are frequenting Jasper's. The game room is Many people. No, there's actual data on this. That is not an opinion. That is a fact. It is (laughs) legitimately packed uh, over there on West End. Um, but like the right amount of pack, you know, like not too crowded, <laughs> but like the right amount of pack. Go to Jasper's, of course, over there because Lamestream Sports is brought to you, in fact, by the wonderful folks at Jasper's. We're not going to do a whole lot of talking uh, before I interview today because we spent a long time with Chad Withrow of Outkick 360. They are now back on local radio and national. We talked about that. We talked about have the three of them ever had an actual angry argument with each other off the air and what those subjects might have been. We talked about the pull of sensationalism from being on radio and and modern media. So Chad was super gracious with his time. And and we had a lot of conversations about a lot or a long conversation about a lot of different topics uh, as it pertains to Outkick 360. Including Top Gun Maverick. That's right. And and some Cobra Kai talk as well. So uh, lots of stuff. Stay for the prime Cobra Kai talk. (laughs) Yes. Uh, uh, Steve, you will have a recommendation uh, after the interview, but because it was such a long conversation, we're not going to do a whole lot more else than just listen to Chad. So here you go. Our conversation with Outkick 360's Chad Withrow. Chad, good to see you, man. How are you? Welcome to the show. Always good seeing you guys doing well. Um, like everyone else in Middle Tennessee right now, I'm melting. But outside of that, I'm hanging in there. Yes, uh, no free shouts, but Gold Bond medicated powder in business right now these days in Tennessee. Um, all right, so not I did not bring you on to talk about sweat, uh, 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 Chad, although that, that we could do that if we need to. Well, then I'm out of here because I was promised <laughs> that we would talk about sweat for a full hour. So if we're not doing that, then I can't talk. Just nothing but sweat for 45 minutes. We'll really get into the scientific evidence. Um, so I, I wanted to start. Obviously, you guys are, are, are back now in local radio in Nashville. Uh, across town with a with a former rival, of course, and and I think you know Chase McKay, brilliant move to bring you guys in and, and put you on this old but new branded channel. I'm just curious what you and and Hutton and Kaharski, what what are the what were the goals? I know you've always wanted to be back in local radio. It's sort of part of the push around the region, but just sort of what are the goals and what was the uh, you know the the objective getting back into Nashville specifically? Yeah, and I, it's it's I appreciate you asking because I mean the goals were always multi-layered in terms of where we wanted to be and and where we wanted to be seen and and heard and it was always I remember coming on with you guys probably a little over a year ago and talking about this it wasn't eliminating options it was adding options so when we left local radio originally it was in large part because we felt like we weren't going to be optimized from a digital standpoint there video all of those things while the other station we were on was you know, wildly successful for, for years and years from a radio standpoint, we wanted to be on multiple stations, multiple radio stations. We wanted to be, have a better digital footprint, and we wanted to have better video elements to our show. So that was always the goal. The top goal, honestly, was you know, let's get back on Nashville radio when our non-compete ends. That was more difficult than we probably expected. You know, we left thinking, man, this is a, this is a no-brainer for someone, right? Like we were successful for a decade, and someone's going to jump at the opportunity. But I think what you find, and Braden, I know that you know this for a fact, um, radio programmers tend to go with what they know, uh, and they don't like change oftentimes. So it's a little bit difficult, you know, to get radio programmers to move when there's not a precedent. They like to see someone else make the big, bold move, and then they'll go make the big, bold move after. But they want to make sure that it's okay for their bosses, whether it be a corporation or a locally run business. They want to make sure they're protected with that big, bold move because someone else made it first. So they're not putting their neck out on the chopping block when that happens. 
So really thankful for Chase McCabe. You know, you, you mentioned him. We, we met with him in New York City back in early March at the Barrett Sports Media Conference and uh, had drinks with him. And that's really where it started with me and Jonathan Hutton talking to him about doing something with 1025 The Game. And that grew into, hey, we've got this second signal that's game two right now, but we're looking to rebrand and do something big and different with that. And that grew into 94.9 The Fan. So, look, we're, we're really happy uh, with the partnership so far. I, I like the idea of starting a brand new, uh, what essentially is, I guess, now a fourth sports talk radio station in Nashville with 94.9 The Fan. So it, it's, been, it's been great so far, and we're thrilled just to be back on Nashville Airways. Why do you think it is that, that, that radio programmers are so risk-averse? I mean, is it because is it because the format's pretty easily replicable, and you can, you know, they, I mean, you, and we, we've seen this here. I mean, they mix and match different people. They try to, you know, they, they can pull sort of different levers, and and you know, get different versions of things that are on other on on other air pretty easily. When why, why do you th- why do you think it is that nobody wanted to pull the trigger quicker? I think that first off, you know. Radio is an older demographic in a lot of ways, right? I mean, there's a lot of younger people that get their news, get their audio in different formats. Uh, While radio is still very popular, I think that it is an an older format for the most part. You know, we joke, I mean, it's not a joke, but the number one question we got when we left the zone was, when are you guys going to be back on local radio? And that question typically came from my father, uh, who, (laughs) you know, is 78 years old as of uh, this month. So, you know, it's, it's him and, and his friends and an older generation. It's like, I, where are you guys? You know, I don't know where you are. Are, are you working? Are you okay? Do you need money? Uh, you know, that's what you get from the older generation, right? Is you leave, you leave the station that I'm, that's my preset. And then, you know, you're just gone for a lot of people. And where, where did you go? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, uh, are, are you working at insurance now? You know, what, what exactly are you doing? I kept uh, hitting uh, button three on the radio and you, you, yeah, you never showed up again. Uh, well, dad, I mean, and, and, dad yeah, we're I, listen, everywhere. <laughs> you, you guys, you guys know this well, but I mean, there were so many people that I would just see out in public at an event or whatever. They're like, man, you know, one day I was listening to you guys and, Maybe I missed a day or two, but I came back and there was a different show on and you just weren't there. You know, what happened? Where did you go? And I'm thinking, man, I've got, you know, this many Twitter followers and Facebook friends and all that. How do people still not know where we are? But that's the truth of it. I mean, we are creatures of habit, especially older people, and they're going to be set in their way. So you really have to pound the pavement to make sure people know where you are. And a big part of that is, I mean, we've had a big response to, to being back on Nashville radio. But we've heard from a number of people that I swear to you, we have not heard from since we left local radio that would tweet with us daily that are now saying, man, I'm glad you guys are back on radio. I'm glad you guys are back on radio. And I'm thinking, hello, you could have interacted with us for the last 18 months, you know, via what we were doing for the last 18 months. But and that's fine. You know, you get your news where you get your news, get your entertainment where you get your entertainment. But I mean, that is where we fully realized, okay, this is important. It's big to get back on in Nashville. It's the biggest market we're in. We're going to have by July 5th, we'll be on seven stations. We're about to add three more uh, in Illinois and Kentucky, Paducah, Kentucky being the biggest market of those in Carbondale, Illinois, but Nashville is far and away the biggest market we're in. So the hope is guys that, like I said, with programmers being reluctant to make big moves, that some other southeastern markets will say, "Oh, well, Nashville jumped in, so it's okay to jump in with these guys." Do you have to reprogram your dad's remote and like the whole <laughs> TV setup whenever something like the power goes out? Steve, I was over there recently, and uh, every time I see my dad, I give him sort of an entertainment guide. Okay, this is the show you should watch on Amazon Prime. This is the show you should watch on Netflix. This is what you watch. I go through all of them. But every single time I go out there, I have three or four assignments just to get in their smart television and figure things out for them and literally cue it up to where it's right there for them to go and watch. So this is an every visit thing that I have to go through. It's no longer the clock on the VCR. It, it, is, it, oh, is, evol- no. it is evolved into 
you know, I, I had to the, move the home screen mom, on your on your on your smart TV. I had to move my mom into my aunt's house in order for her to be able to see the crown on Netflix. Oh, like, and it's, that was the only way that was the only way it was ever going to happen. And I mean, I have to write it down. Like you can't just, you know, with our brains, we can hear a brand or a network and okay, it's on that one and it'll stick. I could tell it to my mom or dad 50 <laughs> times. And if I don't write it down on a notepad and spell it out, I remember I watched the Adam Sandler movie Hustle on Netflix and enjoyed it. And I thought, hey, my parents will really like this. It's a good story. I think they'll enjoy it. I had to spell out, you know, with the quotations for the title, Hustle on Netflix. You search this way. <laughs> you go to the, you know, the spyglass to search. I mean, I, I had to put everything in there for them to find it because it, I mean, if it's not on the front page, they're not going to see it. I mean, even the search function is lost on my parents. So, yeah, it's it's a constant struggle. My, this my, is this is not. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. Well, I was going to say, my niece, what's this word down this rabbit hole? My niece wins like family member of the year because she found a remote control for my for my uh, mother in law that or her grandmother that that she programmed and it has five buttons on it and like. One of them goes to ABC, one of them goes to CBS, one of them goes to CNN, one of them goes to, I don't, I don't know, I, I, maybe a movie channel, and one of them goes to ESPN. And that's it. it. She has, is, we, we've essentially taken her down to five channels. This is what you come to Lamestream Sports for, to uh, exactly. learn what Steve's mom's remote control uh, presets are. I, I do think this is, to bring it back to, to our conversation, I do think all of this, though, because the internet is the, is the biggest place in the world and the smallest place in the world all at the same time. And I think what's, what's interesting about this particular conversation is that it's not even just program directors and radio. It's sort of large businesses. Any large business is a cruise ship that takes time to sort of change directions. And I think what you guys are doing, and I, certainly what anyone working in the digital space, it's not just sort of convincing your audience and training your audience on how to adapt and evolve and develop new habits. It is also marketing directors that are that are spending advertising dollars it is sales reps that need to know how to go out and sell this stuff like it's it's the entire business that's trying to pivot and turn all at the same time and you know shows like outkick 360 are sort of right in the middle of that certainly clay had a lot of experience in that space doing all of that before but it, it is it's just it's turning an entire industry like a big giant cruise ship in the middle of the suez canal it really is. And look, I, I know how to sell radio because I've been a part of sales and radio for a long time. I know a little bit about digital sales, having my own you know, high school football website. But I mean, I don't even know the machinations of how Fox Corp sells digital, right? I, there are things going on constantly with impressions and views and everything else and how it's being monetized that I, I quite frankly, I don't even want to know. Uh, how it's going on. But I mean, I know they make money at OutKick, right? I know these videos, I hear Jared Stillman say all the time, like, it must be successful. I don't know how. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. But obviously, what Chad's doing is successful. And I, I can tell you that it is working. Uh, and it's making money. I, I don't really know how. And I, it's a lot easier for us, you know, with my big dumb brain to know, oh, here is a local advertiser handing over a check with an annual buy for advertising. And here's what a live spot sounds like, or here's what voice spot sounds like, you know, shout out to Regal Realty Group or two of my good buddies who are the presenting sponsor of our show on 94.9 The Fan in Nashville. You know, I know exactly how to talk about those guys in a live radio read uh, for their station for local coverage. So, you know, getting our arms around the whole business uh, has been a challenge, but this is something we know. And, and this is something that people in Nashville know. So, it's been a welcomed experience to get back into familiar territory where there's sponsors that we know there's people that want to jump on board. And I think that's going to be a big benefit for Cromwell, uh, the owners of 94.9, the fan moving forward. So take us through how you, let's say you get to 15 affiliates. Let's say you keep, you grow and you're in 15 affiliates in let's say 12, 15 States or 12 States, whatever it is. Um, how do you go about executing local advertising for 15 different, shows on one product because we'll get to the content side of things but i'm actually i'm i'm going to start with sort of the the actual promotion and advertising and things clients that are asking to be served in, in 15 different ways yeah so um it's 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 a great question and it's really fascinating to me uh so skyview network is is our is our provider is our distributor so they they own a satellite and they distribute 
syndicated programming, whether it be St. Louis Cardinals baseball games or the Nick Cannon show on hip hop stations, right? <laughs> uh, these are all different brands that we're affiliated with on Skyview Network. So Fox Corp, Fox, Fox News signs a licensing agreement with Skyview and Skyview is our distributor. So Skyview is charged with finding us affiliates. We, of course, help with that. Jonathan Hutton and I have been instrumental with that in terms of uh, helping them find affiliates, talk to them, meet with them, take them out to dinner if they come to Nashville, things like that. So we get on the radio station and then Skyview sells ads based on, and I'm trying to think of the right, uh, the right term that they use all the time, AQH is what they sell on. So they have this number that's AQH for every station. So whether we're on, you know, uh, our local time is two to five central time. If we're on live two to five central on a station, or if we're on tape delay from seven to 10 PM, they look at that AQH and the bigger markets you get, the bigger AQH, they start selling ads based on that. So an ad agency would just come in, you know, if you are um, O'Reilly auto parts, and you come in and say, no free plug, sorry, but whatever the business is, <laughs> you come in with an ad agency and you buy, okay, I want this sports show that has this AQH and this many stations. Okay, well, whatever we slot into, that's what they go and sell. So you really have to get to a certain spot that we're not at yet because we're still in the beginning to really start selling those national ads. Now for local stations, um, Jonathan Hutton cuts a promo every day for our Cookville station, Sports Radio 104.7. So when we get done, he'll do a 20-second promo that airs on all their programming about what's coming up next. <clears throat> if we get special requests from, you know, SOMO in Cape Girardeau, Missouri is another affiliate that we have. If they want special requests of, hey, I want Chad to voice this or do that, we are open to doing those things. Um, the Nashville relationship is different, obviously, because we live here and we have a lot of business, you know, clients here and the people that we know. So we're more involved in uh, helping with people that want our voice on things and, and things like this from a local perspective, we are available and open to helping them out with advertisers, but it's not something that's asked of us but, much like, you know, uh, 94.9 is not going to go to Dan Patrick and ask, you know, right. for a ton of reads or to sponsor something locally. But are you doing lot? How do you do a live? How do you do a live spot? That's we, for a Nashville client that, that you don't, Okay. So not in the, so our show is on a network. So anything sold live or, or quote unquote, what we would call live in the business, Braden, <laughs> we call a live spot. That's going to happen at the end of the network break. So we'll go to break. It'll go to a network break with the national spots and then it'll bleed into the local spot, which could start with, Hey, it's Chad Withrow here to tell you about Regal Realty. And that is the, the spot, the promos, the bumpers coming in and out will feature a local flavor for every station based on a, either a 15 second live read or whatever it may be for that client. That's how you get the live feel to a national broadcast. I hope I'm not talking over anyone's head no. as I explain these things. No, no, I mean, if, if you had a, if you had the exact same real estate company in all 15 markets buying a, a live spot from you, that is physically impossible to execute. <laughs> right. So. Well, look, I mean, it hasn't been asked of us yet, but if um, an auto dealership in Muscle Shoals, Alabama at our station uh, on Fox Sports Shoals came to, you know, Jonathan Hutton and said, we want you to endorse this spot, you know, we'll pay this much. It's possible for us to do that. It's not something we're going to do a lot of yeah. because it opens up. It's a very slippery slope when you start to do that. But if it's a friend or it's someone we know or it's a programmer that we know, you know, we are open to do those types of things. It's just not something you hear a lot from a from any syndicated show. Yeah. And I'm not comparing us to Dan Patrick by any means, but it's just not something you would hear from a syndicated show. I'm just putting us in the category of syndication, right? Like he's in syndication. So you've got a lot of levers that you're pulling on right now for audience. You know, you've got uh, for a while. You guys were watching. Here's here's the number of people who are who are who are coming to us on Twitter. Here's the number of people who are coming to us on you know through YouTube through through that stream. Here's here's terrestrial radio. Here's people that are that are coming to us via an app. They're all they're all there for you guys and for sports content in general. But I mean, you would approach those audiences sort of slightly differently if you were only doing a show for just a single one of those media. 
how do you how do you pull levers to to increase audience uh and do any of them kind of pull against each other uh, <clears throat> that's a really good question um I don't think it does as long as you don't fall into the trap of doing a TV show or a radio show. I look at us, what we do as doing radio on TV with a camera on and our production crew's gotten a lot better at filling in the blank spaces. And what I mean by that is they'll get the graphic that we're talking about ready to go and show on the screen. Uh, when we're interviewing someone, if they're not live on video, they've got a great photo of them joined now live by, you know, such and such in the bottom of the screen. So our production crew, as they get in their groove on the video side, does a good job of filling in those spaces. You know, if if you uh, if you just go on and say, oh, you can see that uh, this graphic here and not explain it. Well, you're leaving out your radio audience when you do that. So you have to verbalize everything that's on the screen if you want everyone to understand what you're talking about with the content of the show. Uh, it's also it's a real change when you can see your audience. And what I mean by that is I can look on Twitter and say, okay, you know, I consider a good day, 30,000 plus people that viewed the show on Twitter in some way that engage with it in some way. So I can watch when we have 72 people watching, I can see when we have over a thousand people watching. So it does, you don't want it to change your mindset of what you're talking about and what you're doing, <laughs> but it's different being able to actually see an audience and not have something abstract like radio where you don't see your audience until the ratings book comes out, you know, once a month or every two weeks or whatever it may be. So that part of it has been different. But the good news is now, you know, we have a little bit of all that. We can see Twitter numbers. We can see YouTube numbers. We can see podcast numbers. I like knowing all these things and seeing all these things. But also, you know, there is an abstract audience with radio coming into the market, whether it be in one of our affiliates, not in Nashville, but also now. With 94.9, the fan, you know, that that's a part of it that I think is it, it's at least healthy for me when I look at all these numbers to know there are things that are happening that I'm not necessarily seeing live in the moment of people watching or consuming the show. I want to I want to drill down on podcasts specifically versus radio. And I, and I don't I'm not even sure if YouTube and or Twitter follows different sort of rules of, of sort of scientific execution of content. But, but I know that radio and podcasts specifically are polar opposites of how you'd execute content. Like radio, for people that don't know, there's a very scientific execution of radio. I, I would, I think Jared Stillman, you love him or hate him, probably executes that science that is taught at the network level probably better than almost anybody. Podcast is, is like the opposite. We're going to end up talking about Steve's niece remote control. You know, like that's what a podcast does is go way off the, the beaten path into these deep, you know, inch, inch wide, mile deep. Those two levers and those two mechanisms scientifically are polar opposites in terms of executing content. And you guys sort of live in the middle of all of that, which is sort of uncharted territory. Do, do you feel in the middle of a subject that you're going more podcast, do you feel the pressure to now go more radio when you, you're adding affiliates? How, how does that affect the, the, the execution of the content? I don't think of it necessarily in terms of what's good on radio versus what's good on podcast. And I look at it in terms of, um, is this good for a deep dive or is this good for a shorter discussion? Right? So you're right in that a podcast, we could do this for two hours and it could be all one basic free flowing conversation about the same subject matter. What we wanted to protect and what I'm glad that we've done is something I love that we did at the zone that at the time, none of the other shows would do. And we fought over this constantly, the clock. We want a big middle of the hour segment. We want something 20 minutes plus in the middle of the hour that can be a deep dive, can be uh, a big discussion between the three of us can be a long interview. If we have a big time guest, we want them in that big segment. You know, when we have John McClain on the show now, we want him for 40 straight minutes. That's going to also be packaged into a podcast. If we have Armando Salguero on, he's going to be on for 20 minutes. Trey Wallace on for 20 minutes talking SEC. We put them in the middle of the hour. Most radio shows will have probably four, nine to 11 minute segments right? You typically break it 13 after the hour, 28 after the hour, 43 after the hour, and somewhere between 55 or 58 minutes after the hour. We break at roughly, it's not a hard out in these times, but 1343 
and then at the end of the hour. So you're going to have a decent sized segment to start the hour. You're going to have a super sized segment in the middle that can be a long form discussion. And you're going to have a very short segment at the end that could be a quick headline, funny story, whatever it may be. I think that works well for radio. And I think it also works well for podcasts because with the science of podcasts, you know, I'm not the one who writes the descriptions of our hours, but our hours are typically, you know, 43 minutes to 47 minutes long on a podcast. And it's got 15 different descriptions of what we talked about, hitting as many things as possible. So if someone searches it or looks for it, you're going to find a bunch of different things. Well, we can do all of those things. We can actually do them if you format it that way. So I love that that clock, especially for a, a show like ours. It's interesting that 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 clock is cut differently than than other radio but you mentioned aqh so aqh for people who don't know is is average quarter hour that's what that's what radio sells against uh, and it's it's a mostly radio metric um but the does that do you think that's going to affect anything on the on on against like that kind of metric or is it just all about audience at this point it's all about audience and also i Here's what's strange about our position now. When we were at the zone, it was all about ratings, right? Like we, if we were not, you know, the, the number one station and destroying everyone, we were probably getting called into an office. Uh, and that was, that was and not just called an office. We were going to be very disappointed if we weren't dominating the local ratings. The way the syndication part of it works is it's less about our individual rating and more about the station's rating more about what they've done historically in that time slot. Now, locally, you know, we are going to take a peek at the the local ratings in Nashville and, and see what they look like. But for the most part, you know, we're, we're making an effort to get on stations with some AQH because the way it's being sold nationally is just the AQH of the stations we're on yeah. and not necessarily the average quarter hour of listening for our show in, in those markets. If, if that, if that makes sense. It now does. locally, yep. uh, you know, I, I talked with some people at Cromwell and, you know, they, they've done a really good job, I think over the years of selling with not great ratings, you know, on some shows, like they do a good job building relationships. They do a good job selling the Preds and different things they have on the station. So that's probably good news for us in the beginning because it is going to take some time. It's not going to be an immediate uh, uh, sw- switch being flipped, and then boom, you know we're we're number one in the market or anything like that. So I think in the beginning that helps with the relationship aspect of it. But as we go on, it's going to be something we look closer at in terms of ratings versus other shows like ours in the market. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business, and it is in fact brought to you by Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner. Is that your own Vuvuzela? What the hell was uh, it? It's a, it's a, uh, a. My words are escaping me. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a paper towel roll, and I, I thought maybe it was going to work a little better than that, but Classy. that kind of sucked. Yeah, I was going to say, hey, no, you know what doesn't, you know what doesn't suck jaspers yeah ja- in case you couldn't hear steve through the paper towel roll which is a very normal way of broadcasting uh jaspers is in <laughs> fact who brings you this show each and every week it is free for all of you because the wonderful and amazing people at jaspers uh take care of you guys so if you like the show and and we appreciate your support make sure you're going to jaspers the game room is spectacular i i again the food is great. The, the dining room is great. The bar is great. The happy hour is great. There's a lot of great things about this place, even if they didn't have a game room at all. But when you go in there, whether you're with friends, with kids, with your spouse on a date, whatever, and you have a nice meal in the dining room, you can just mosey on over to the game room. And there are like half a dozen to 10 different things you can play for free. Unless you're with Steve Cavendish, in which case I refuse to play air hockey with you. Again. This is our worst bit. Uh, it's not a bit. This is you've heard, you've heard Chad talking about being genuine on his show. I genuinely despise your air hockey strategies and tactics, and I think it is inappropriate. Let it go. No. Let it go, my friend. Fine. Let it go. Fine. Jasper's, the next evolution of the sports bar. Please go to Jasper's, everybody. Please support them. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm.
so you guys are what 11 like how many years total since the the advent of of your original product the three of you together you're, you're going we on are 12 a years a little, little bit over a decade for the for the okay. three of us uh, so we started in, in january 2012 so okay. 10 and a half years god 2012 was a decade ago that's crazy um yep. so you even at that moment even in 2012 i don't think this the quote-unquote science of radio was as sort of like I don't want to say antagonistic or enragement engagement sort of set up the audio, pay off the tease, you know, all the stuff that goes into that science of it all. And so you guys sort of always, it felt like you started from a different place. Anyway, you were committed to sort of a different type of execution of traditional radio throughout the course of your time in that time slot. Um, and I've talked to, you know, we've had Paul on the show before saying that he has gone from less reporting, less sort of fact-based sort of, you know, uh, beat reporting to far more opinion and far more, you know, again, stuff that drives engagement. Do you feel that that is how your show has evolved since 2012 to today? It, do you feel like you're executing things exactly the same way as 2012? I mean, I, obviously everybody has to evolve, but we are in a different landscape today across all platforms, no matter what platform we're in that drives uh, clicks is not the right word, but like, engagement in general, which is how people make money off of media. I think that we're all, you know, uh, it's all circumstantial in terms of how our opinions shift or change over time of how we do our job, especially if it's opinion based. So I find myself very driven by, man, there's a lot of people saying things one way or having the same opinion on something and I have this different opinion, which I feel is very obvious. So I'm just going to state it in an obvious way. And if that lends itself to like a two or three minute clip for repurposing on social media, great. But I never go into something, you know, thinking, hey, let's get my camera on me right here because I'm going to have my, you know, eight minute Stephen A. Smith hot take <laughs> right now for straight. And I, I want to it just it, it has to naturally happen. You know, one other thing, and, and it, this is going to change at some point with this is the number one question we get asked. Phone calls. We don't take phone calls on our show. We will eventually have the ability to take phone calls again, and we will do that. And I'm guessing we're going to get a lot of calls from Nashville once we start doing that. Um, but that's a big element that's different now. So in terms of what's changed with our show, we could go in on the old show on The Zone on Nashville Radio and just open the phone lines, and someone's going to call them and say something stupid, or someone's going to call in and go after us, and it's going to lead to an organic moment that's great for sports talk radio. We don't have to come in now and, you know, produce those necessarily, but those need to happen on the show at some point. It can't just be us saying the same thing over and over and over again and not engaging with something different or having a deeper discussion with each other or occasionally, you know, getting into an argument. So when you take the phone call element out of it, I think it naturally lends itself to a change in the way the show sounds and looks a little bit. But I mean, at the end of the day, the number one thing I heard from people that enjoyed our show was, man, it's good to hear the three of you guys just talking again. <laughs> like it's just there's something comforting about turning on a radio and hearing the sound of your voices that I heard for a decade on another station. So really, that's it. I mean, I feel the same way about Dan Patrick. You know, I drive into our show every day and hear Dan Patrick. Then they extended our time and Dan Patrick went away. And there was something about driving to work the other day and hearing Dan Patrick on. 94.9, I'm thinking there's something really reassuring about the sound of Dan Patrick and Polly Pabst <laughs> and those guys' voices that takes me back to even a different time in my life listening to them. So we well, hope that's sort of the case with a lot of people. And I mean this as a very complimentary way. I think you guys, as a show, because the three of you did that in a conversational way, you avoided some of the things that like traditional radio needed to execute. But I just, again, how do you... How do you avoid the pull of the sensationalism? Like just in general, I'm not talking about even just because your show has always mostly avoided that, that type of thing, but it is in the digital space in particular, it is what drives ratings. And I just am curious how you avoid the pull of that. I think that if you are legitimately uh, outraged by something, excited by something, whatever it may be, I don't know that it's necessarily sensationalism if you believe it, Right. So like if I'm really passionate about some argument or a topic and I get worked up on the show about it, 
I think a detractor from that would say, oh, he's just being a sensationalist and he's doing this for clicks and, and doing that. And I would argue, well, it's, it's really how I feel about this topic. And it did get me a little agitated. And that's just my natural human reaction to it. So I'm just sharing my natural human reaction to this story or, or this argument that we're having. And I think that's good for radio, TV, digital shows, anything when it's done that way. Me personally, and I can't speak for the other two guys in the show. Um, I just have this natural aversion to saying anything that I feel like is repeating a company line, whether that be the majority of media saying something, or even at times, you know, my own brand, uh, you know, like I'll see something said over and over and over again. I'm like, while I may believe it, I don't necessarily want to start saying it because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, now I'm just repeating exactly what, uh, you know, someone else said on my website or what someone else said at this local outlet or, or whatever it may be. And I'm not saying I'm going to just disagree for the sake of disagreeing, even if I agree with everyone on something and I'll, I'll honestly state my opinion on things, but I hope that I avoid the sensationalist part of it because of my natural aversion to doing those things. I, I hope that makes some sort of sense of what I'm trying to articulate. I, I, I am a natural contrarian. Uh, like devil's advocate was always my best role in meetings. Like that's just. Yeah. And it's it, sometimes <laughs> like, it's not even, you know, devil's advocate. I, again, I'm not saying anything on air that I don't believe. Right. Or that I don't agree with, but it's more of, I want to say it in a way that doesn't just sound like I'm regurgitating either a company line or what everyone else on Twitter has said today. Right. And, and, and those, those things oftentimes yeah. can be the polar opposite when it comes to outkick and when it comes to Twitter. Right. But I don't, I don't want to go completely in line with any of it. I want to come at it from my viewpoint, which many times is different from the majority, but not do so in a way that sounds like I'm placating. All right. So take, take people through that exact process. Like physically tell me like you, you don't have to use an actual subject. I don't care about that. I'm just like, do you just lock yourself in a room and a pad and a note and a pen and you just going, all right, here's the subject. Here's the topic. Here's the information. How do I clear everything out and, and make it unique and make it mine? Like, what does that process actually look for you? Look like for you? Well, I'll, I'll bring up a, an example. Okay. The, the Leah Thomas trans story that Megan Rapinoe has chimed in on. Right. I want to make that argument less about wokes or people that are on one side of it and more about, well, duh, obviously Leah Thomas should not be competing against women. A biological man should not do this and put it into a way that's common sense for people to understand and say, well, this is why we have men's and women's sports over the years, because men are physically stronger. Um, uh, you know, you could make this argument in a common sense way without making it about this side versus that side, right? So I feel strongly that Leah Thomas and now the you know Swimming Federation agrees with me should not be allowed to compete against biological women, right? So how do you present it in a way that doesn't look like you're just placating one side or the other and just sharing your honest opinion? Well, I want to do so in a way that's more common sense and appeals rationally to the brain as opposed to some emotional side of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's because, again, I think there's a, what I'm really trying to figure out is the fine line between engagement tactics and not being I don't boring is not the right word, but just like there has to be this like you have to walk this line in so, between. So, so let me ask it this way. Can you have can you have a half formed opinion? But because because I think that particularly in when the, I mean, I think the trans debate is a really interesting one. Because, I mean, th there's there's a lot of, I mean, it's very personal for the people that have transitioned. They they were they were obviously they were athletes before that. They were competitors. Where do they compete? Can they compete? Do they only have you know? Do you have to subsection? A, a, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of interesting questions around it, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with your conclusion there, and, and kind of what the what the the swimming federation did, but. But it's also there's 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 a lot of complexity here, and let's get away from that because I think that one tends to be more of a hot button. But <laughs> you know the it's it's hard when you when when people come to you to listen to you, 
for you to let me let me answer this question to, to, to I, I know exactly where you're going with this like the yeah. half form opinion all right i i don't think it's good in our business to have a half form opinion yeah but it's perfectly reasonable for the opinion to be i just don't care <laughs> right there are things that hutton might bring up on the show and i'll just say man i don't know about you guys but i just don't care about this stanley cup final or I just don't care about this story. And look, for a lot of people, college baseball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I don't. Yeah, once uh, I I did get more interested with Tennessee season they had, and I'd pay attention a little bit more because it is my alma mater. I'm not going to lie and say I didn't, but I'm still not watching nine right. innings of every game. Right. You know, I'm kind of following the score and checking at the end of a game if it's close. But to me, it's my fully formed opinion on certain subjects are I just don't care about any of this shit. Right. I mean, whatever it is, like I, if that's that's many people's opinion on Leah Thomas, like I guarantee if you had Paul Kaharski on here, but I just don't care. Right. Like and that could be because he doesn't want to you know, disagree with one side or the other or whatever. But that's a lot of people's honest opinion about things. So I, I don't see how you can have a, a half formed opinion on it, honestly. And I understand some of the complexities with it, but there are times where it's completely acceptable to say, I just don't care. And, and when I do that, when I don't really have a strong opinion on something, that's typically where I fall is like, hey, why, why do people care so much? Or this is why this is my fully formed opinion on why I don't care about this. So, so the next step on that, because I find podcasts in particular, and I think and I'm curious what you think about the way we're headed as a society in sports fandom, because I think I do crave an, 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 like a half formed opinion and then listening to two people that I respect or three people that I respect that are experts on a, on a situation, work their way through their own opinions to get to a point where maybe they settle on something different or something new, or they solidify the way they thought coming into the conversation. And I feel like what a podcast allows you to do is to sort of have that, that process in, unfold in real time. Like you can hear someone's opinion change potentially in real time. Whereas you don't normally have time because I agree with you. Lack of fully formed opinions is is bad for sports talk radio. It just it just is. I agree with you. Is there going to be a pushback from consumers on like the like, again, the embrace debate stuff that we're talking about here, where I'm okay listening to someone who's not really sure about something, learn about something in real time and then maybe form their opinion in real time? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I don't. I think the pushback from consumers is when they feel like they're being lied to or there's something dishonest about the debate, right? Like these, these embrace debate shows you're talking about. I mean, it is a setup, right? I mean, it's a total setup. It's here's a topic. It's you a better have different opinions on it, right? I mean, you go into it saying you better have different opinions. We often will have a topic on the show and look at it and we will not talk about our opinion going into it. We have, I have no idea what Hutton or Paul thinks about something until we go live on air and we all three may agree on it, or we may get into a passionate debate about whatever the subject matter is. So that's honest to me though. I think if you go into anything and saying, okay, uh, in this corner, it's Steve Cavendish in this corner, it's Chad Withrow. And here we go. You guys better have the polar opposite, not just different opinions, but the polar opposite opinion on this and yell at each other. I mean, that's what happens on some of these shows. Let's let's be completely honest about it. That's how they go into we it. We call that's, that we call that happens. ESPN from nine to twelve every morning. Exactly, and and you know, there's a number of places, not it, just it, on television. It's, it's on every net. It's on every network. Every yeah. network, but also every sports radio station. Right. A lot of times, you know, you're going to have something like that. So, I, I've always felt like uh, the ultimate respect I can pay to our audience at any time is to not lie to them with my opinions and not treat idiots like they're smart. Uh, and what I mean by that is with, with callers and everyone else, I, I cannot stand when people are just polite. Man, thanks so much for the call. What a great opinion on that. You know, great, great stuff. If you disagree with the caller, feel free to rip them because your audience, I, I tend to think that our audiences are much like us. So if they think someone's saying something dumb, then if I think someone, someone's saying something dumb, they're going to think the same thing. So why disrespect them by acting like it's smart, what someone said? That's always been a pet peeve of mine in, in sports talk radio. So the, so the theory of the show when you launched, and, and, and help me out here if I'm, if I'm getting this wrong, the theory of the show is 
football is our national pastime now, not baseball, not not basketball, whatever else, but at least for for where we are and and maybe even where we are in this part of the country, it is it is it is the pastime, whether it's pro or college or some flavor there. And then there are other things that are layered in that have our interest. Uh, what do you think? What do you think you've learned from doing this version of the show here for the last, you know, for, for the last bit? And, and and has anything changed in that? Are you do you find yourself talking more or less about any particular subject right now? So we're talking a lot more about live tour right now versus PGA and the statements being made on both sides. That's been great fodder for our show lately, but that's a great comparison, Steve, to what we're going to talk about as opposed to football times. So when there's a big national story like that, um, that's something we're going to lean into and spend, you know, hours during a week on that can be really good. Uh, But I think you nailed it. I mean, it's pretty on the nose to say that, you cannot go wrong talking football on TV or radio right now, whether it be a podcast like what you guys are doing, whatever. I mean, talking football year round is an industry. It is a thing that we can do. There's always something to talk about. There's always SEC speculation that we can make. There's always NIL discussion. There's always NFL free agency. There's always where is Baker Mayfield going to end up? What are the Browns thinking with the guaranteed contract for Deshaun Watson? There's always something like that not just in season, but out of season, we have to make sure daily that we hit those stories that everyone knows and everyone's talking about while also creating original content. uh, That is uh, an example. You know, I I write now for outkick too. And I wrote a column about uh, programs I think could be big players in NIL if they decided they just wanted to do it, you know, like BYU was one of them. And I listed the reasons Vanderbilt is another one, Uh, UNLV, with casino money. You know, there's a lot of things that you could get creative and do. Well, that created an hour-long discussion for us. So coming up with creative ways to do things like that. I wrote something today at OutKick about sports movie remakes or sequels that I want to see. You know, this is something we'll probably talk about on the show at some point. And it's also football-related when we're talking about the program or Varsity Blues, right? So I think it's those two things, making sure we don't miss anything that everyone's talking about while also creating a thing or two at least every day or a few things a week that's original to add to the conversation, but always keeping it about football unless it's a big national story. Uh, are sports fans the, the dumbest people on earth or the smartest people on earth? I think they're the simplest people on earth, right? So <laughs> what, what I mean by that is I think it's really easy to uh, pinpoint what they want uh, in, in, in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, sport, the sports fans are, are everyday Americans too. You know, they have other interests also, but in large part, you know, it's, it's why Top Gun Maverick is going to make, you know, $2 billion, right? It is, that, that is a mathematical formula for success. Let's take Tom Cruise, who's this gi- gigantic movie star. Let's create a movie from a lot of people's adolescence and repackage it in a way that's pretty much the same, but let's strike a nostalgic chord with it And let's make it all about excellence and alphas and entertainment and fast planes and everything else. And you are going to print money when you do that. I I think the same could be said for sports fans in a lot of ways. They know what they want. We should know by now what they want and what type of talk they want. And you give it to them, you know, give the people what they want. I'm one of the few people who actually loves Tom Cruise because he just goes for it. Like, I don't think Tom Cruise is ever going to try to win an Oscar ever again. He has no art house project that he's got circled. That's like, hey, one for the studio and one for me. I'm going to be a supporting actor and do this character work in this, uh, you know, this AMC series coming up. He's not going to be doing Cruise, live theater on Broadway. <laughs> Tom Cruise is all about getting people to the movie theater, right? Like, yeah, I am yeah. just, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do all my own stunts and I'm going to do Mission Impossible 14 until I die, because that's what people want. I think you should have some of that. You don't want to be cookie cutter about it, but you need to have some of that approach if you're doing a sports show. Just give the people what they want. I I think sports fans are the greatest fact checkers in the history of the world when it's about the thing they care about. Yes. And then when they don't care about it, they have no effing clue what's what's going on in that in that moment. They they can in other in other ways. Um, what, What let's you've been very gracious with your time. We do appreciate it. What what is the topic? that got you three the angriest at each other off the air? 
Oh my gosh. That's a great question. Um, like genuine frustration. I mean, I, I think that uh, look, when you work with people so long, you become like brothers and family members. So I would think that without giving, having a specific topic in mind that got us angry, I think that it was probably anger brewing over from a lot of other things that led to an on-air debate that then led to us fighting about something else off-air, <laughs> right? So it was really secondary to the sports debate and more about a problem we had with the other person uh, that, that went to a break. I, we've never – we've had some shouting matches, but, you know, I, I would say uh, – there's not been a lot. I've been around another show that had way more shouting matches that were memorable <laughs> that I witnessed. Uh, and I'm talking about George Willie and Darren back in the day <laughs> that I've witnessed on those shows than we've actually had. I and mean, we've had it out a few times and we've had it out with bosses a few times, but I can't think of like a sports topic. It's a great question. I need to think more about it. I can't think of a sports topic that got us going. I do remember me early on in the show just being perplexed by Paul's argument that Peyton Manning to the Titans would have no added significance because of his ties to the Tennessee Vols. You're like deeply, genuinely offended by that. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's Peyton Manning. He's like, it's the exact same if he goes to Denver or if he goes to the Titans. Or I said, Paul, you're telling me that with the people in this area, that it means nothing extra that he was a Tennessee Vol. And he, to this day, argues it's no different. No different. He's Peyton Manning, no different in Denver, no different in Nashville. <laughs> and I just could not understand that to this. I remember arguing I, with him. About it after I admire his commitment to the bit. If he's, uh... <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, you, do you, I was like, do you know how dumb I, I was almost trying to help him out? Like, do you know how dumb that sounds? Like you're going to say this on air and people are going to call him. I'm trying to help if you, you phrase out it that way. It might not come across as help. Well, like I get the, <laughs> yes, he's a great hall of fame quarterback. that's going to help someone and he's going to be a big deal anywhere, but it's an even bigger deal to people here, given his ties to the state. If he were to come back and be a Titan, that's one that I remember disagreeing with Paul on, but yeah, can't come up with specific, you know, sports topics. that's led to huge arguments. You you brought it up, and I I, I got to ask you this real quick. What's the last great sports movie you you saw? Man, um, I'll tell you what. I was really impressed with Hustle on Netflix. I I do like Adam Sandler, and I like when Adam Sandler steps out of some of the more goofy Adam Sandler things you think about. And this was certainly one of those movies. I was impressed by the NBA guys in the movie. Kenny Smith plays an agent that's Adam Sandler's best friend, and I'm watching. I'm thinking this guy can act. Like, it's totally believable. Like, he's not, you know, Kenny Smith in the movie. Uh, the guy, and I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but the Spanish player that's, you know, the main character yeah. along with Adam Sandler was really good for an athlete who's never acted. Anthony Edwards was really good playing a different basketball player, a college prospect going into the draft. Uh, I, was, I was really impressed with that movie. That was kind of the inspiration to get, that got me thinking about different, you know, sports movies and what I want to see. Here's what I love about this whole concept, guys. And you know this because you're big fans of TV, too. All of these things should be TV shows now, right? Like, I started thinking about Varsity Blues and Jonathan Moxon leaving his professorship at Brown, whatever he's been doing for the last 25 years, and going back to West Canaan to be the head coach because Lance Harbor passed away unexpectedly. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you've, already written, you've already written the script. <laughs> this is That's the treatment, right? This is a series, though. I'm like, this is not two hours. Like, this is – that's just yeah. episode one that's a, that, that is going that back is, home. That is 10 episodes on yeah, Netflix yeah. or Prime or whatever And it's, and it's the same Kai as – Cobra Kai proves it, right? The success yep. of Cobra Kai proves that you could go back in time and <laughs> have these stories. And some of what I wrote, you know, half-joking – but, I mean, I'd watch Little Big League with Bill Haywood as, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Bill Haywood all grown up, you know, managing the Minnesota Twins where he's been the manager and they've got the lowest payroll of baseball and he puts himself back in the dugout, you know, so many years later after he was a 12-year-old manager back in 1994. Um, I'd love to see things like this, but and, there's so many avenues now for these things. And just and just milk all of us who are now geriatric millennials with children and just just get us all hooked, get, our, get the next generation all hooked on well, it. Uh, and and you know this, you're just going to show it to your kids, right? Right, right, like, exactly. We're going to immediately yeah. present, like, hey, you have to yeah. watch this. And even right. if they hate it, 
we are going to see to it that they love it, no matter honey, what their initial opinion is. If they did a Honey, I Shrunk, just my, my four or five-year-old just watched Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and they thought it was fantastic. And I'm like, if they brought that ever back in a series, they would. my kids would be all in hook, line, and sinker on something like that. I do think Cobra Kai is fascinating. Now we're way off on another tangent. I, I think Cobra Kai is fascinating because they figured out like the sweet spot of like, we're going to make fun of ourselves and like be like it, it's it's so weird to figure out that show and then once you get it you're like oh okay it's, and it's it pushes the boundaries on that stuff it is perfect I, and the guys i'm trying to think of what the guys who wrote it did before they were staff writers on a really funny show that were just big um the karate kid fans but and i wrote about this at, at outkick they i when i first saw the trailer for the youtube show before netflix picked it up i thought it was a joke yeah i thought it was like a parody trailer and then I watched them like, OK, this is pretty good. It's also a joke. Right. But the actors right. all are in on the joke. Right. Well, they exactly. did. Right. They did that first. I think that first season or maybe the first two seasons were like the YouTube was trying to do Red. their own originals. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube Red. That's it. Yep. Um, and and it, it would they've gotten a bigger budget since uh <laughs> yes. since since moving since moving over to netflix but even on the youtube on youtube red i was impressed with the whole just the whole setup i mean johnny lawrence is great yeah. he, he still his lines show. are so cringeworthy it's like it's perfect though like <laughs> I, I mean it's just it, it's the perfect balance of All it's right. a joke we get how ridiculous you know karate being a big deal is in the valley <laughs> and we're going to make fun of it, but it's also got its serious moments. You know, when certain characters come back, it's like, man, uh, you know, when the guy from Karate Kid 2 is back on the show, like I, I really felt something, you know, with that reveal. Like it's cool bringing all these people back. Well, um, we appreciate your time. You've been very gracious. It's been a long interview, so we, we appreciate it. Uh, congrats on the local show. And uh, I did, you know, I see I see the word Joplin and I immediately think about Barry. So we could keep talking about HBO shows if you if you want to. But um thank you so much for giving us some time in uh congrats on all the success we'll talk soon maybe one of these movie ideas i have can be picked up by banshee uh the the streaming app on barry (laughs) maybe maybe now that uh that's right maybe now that uh, i'm I'm forgetting the character's name but that joplin's off that show by the way that i'm glad i stuck with that show because the first two episodes of this season i was like man this is i just don't know that i like it anymore but those were three of the best shows best episodes i've seen in a while the final three episodes of this last season. That's a great show. Uh, for those listening, um, I don't think my, my wife can do this, but I don't think I've ever met anyone in sports that can recall the tiniest minutia from TV and movies the way that you do. So uh, it's, a, it's a, both a gift and a curse. <laughs> you are, you are atop the power rankings, my man. So both good a to gift see, and a curse. Good to see you, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks for coming on. All right, gents. This was fun. Thanks. <laughs> That was Chad Withrow of Outkick 360. And that was a lot of different topics. Uh, I, I do find their, the most interesting part about their product, and I know this is, again, super deep in the media weeds, but that's what this show is all about. The science of radio, the science of podcasts are polar opposites. They fight against each other when you execute those two mediums. And they have sort of always lived in the middle of that. Even back when they were Midday 180, they sort of lived in the middle of that. Um, trying to be conversational and podcast-like, but in a radio forum, now they're sort of in this, they're, again, they're sort of smack dab in the middle again. And it's, I, I meant that as a compliment to them that they're able to do that. But the pull of sensationalism is a very difficult thing to overcome. And so uh, I, I give them a lot of credit for how long they've been doing that, sort of dancing the line between radio execution and podcast execution. Uh, to to me, I think the, the most interesting thing is a year from now when check back in with them i want to know where kind of like total audience and and i and i they're talented guys they have an entertaining show they're going to grow it across platforms i'm going to know where kind of like where the growth is going to come from here and kind of where the polls are and you know chad talked a little bit about this uh i i want to see where the i'd love to know if they if they would talk uh just kind of roughly about the revenue piece of this and the digital audience versus the versus the radio audience and kind of where this is going to go, because I mean, they're trying to touch all of these different platforms uh, and, and and they're, they're cognizant of that as opposed to just, you know, you know, repurposing something and, you know, and putting it on SoundCloud and calling it a podcast. 
you know, they're 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 very conscious of the fact that that they're doing this across multiple media, uh, and, and so the, the success of this, I, I want to see kind of like which which avenues, which audience avenues it kind of takes off in because. You know they're they're going to expand. They're going to be on more radio stations, uh, and they're going to you know if you look at the success of people on YouTube on uh, you know on these kind of new platforms, that the 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 years you would think that they're at cross purposes, uh, and and they and they think you know there's there's a way to do it all together. So I, I'm I'm fascinated to see they've, they've done a good job so far. I'm fascinated to see where it goes. Yeah, I think podcasting and local media, it, it is very easy to build a very communal experience and have very, you know, um, intense, deep relationships with your audience. As you grow, it is far more difficult to do that because you have to cover things in a different way. So um, it's really interesting and, and they've done a great job with it. Um, so we appreciate his time again. Um, uh, obviously, you know, you guys know where to find them. I don't need to promote anything. <laughs> so, so go check out Outkick 360 across every platform. Uh, Steve, do you have a recommendation for the good people out there? I would like to say that, um, uh, Stranger Things is awesome. I finally finished Ozark. It is awesome. I, these are all very hot takes of me. <laughs> Strange, Stranger Things and Ozark are great. Um, What's Ozark awesome. I thought it, I thought I, I don't want, okay. I can't, we can't give it away if people haven't watched it, but. The ending I thought was fat. I am fascinated by the ending. I I'm fascinated by the final scene. I thought it was great. I thought the first half of the season was 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 substantially better than the second half. That's that's possible. They had to wrap it all up in a very interesting yeah. I mean, way. It and felt I thought like they wrapped were, it up in a very good way. Well, and you were wrapping stuff up like real fast at the speed of sound there <laughs> towards the end. Um, uh, can I can I say one thing uh, real quickly? Uh, no, Shit. you cannot say something <laughs> on your own show. Uh, so I watched Chef, which is like a 2014 John Favreau movie. Like, I don't know. Highly, why. highly entertaining movie. Very charming. Extremely charming. My favorite part of this, the reason I wanted to bring it up was that in 2014, people in movies were asking questions like, what is Twitter? And yeah. Twitter and Twitter, him, his relationship with his son is like, there's a huge Twitter is the thing that binds him and his son together. And like builds this relationship. And I'm just like, God, 2014 was not that long ago. Uh, and now Twitter is the thing that drives us all apart. <laughs> Roy, Roy Choi, who's a very famous LA chef, uh, worked with him on like all the food stuff and kind of like turning him into like a he's guy. Got a lot of, could... He's got a lot of food content now. Yeah. Uh, and they ended up, like the two of them ended up doing a Netflix show. Right. right. Kind, of, kind of based on that. All right. Uh, so what you got? Hi highly entertaining show. If, if, if you haven't watched the movie, uh, it, it's mindless fun. It, it's not it's not very deep. Um, you're you're the, the thing you're going to walk away with is, wait, John, what two women were in love with? Yeah, John Favreau? yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, oh, Scar wait, he, Scar he wrote and is, directed this movie and dude, got Scarlett Johansson. And Scar Jo is. As, as a lifelong diehard ScarJo fan, uh, she yeah. was exceptionally outstanding in that movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was wondering where that was going. Uh, I just thought she was great, Steve. I thought her performance was amazing. I got two quick things to recommend to you uh, here. The first of which is a, a fascinating. This is like completely different. Um, so there's a, there's a Dallas Morning News piece that's out about it. Um, and... Mark Cuban has been working on this uh, has been working on this uh, pharmacy plan. Basically he wants to take down big pharmacies uh, and, and, and bring lower cost drugs uh, to, to the masses. And there's if only, a, if only we had a governing body that could do that for us. <laughs> well, and th th there's a story that th there's a story in the Dallas morning news. I think it was yesterday talking about how uh, there's a study that says that, you know, Cubans, Cubans pharmacy could have, could have saved Medicare part D like $3.6 billion. Uh, and, and I think it's interesting. Uh, for, he, he's been, he's been talking about this program a lot. Uh, he's done a bunch, done a bunch of interviews. And the thing he says is I, I'm probably not going to make a cent on this. I don't care if I make a cent on this, but if we do something to bring down uh, the price of drugs in the United States, uh, then that's a good thing. And I, I, I want more billionaires to act like this. So. Yeah, no, no kidding. Thank you. Uh, in, in, in particular, just allow us to negotiate the costs. How about? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. every other country, 
in the world. Yeah. Um, all right. So what's the piece? Give everybody the piece again. Uh, the, the piece is in the Dallas Morning News. It is uh, the, the headline is Mark Cuban's pharmacy could have saved Medicare uh, $3.6 billion researchers fund. It, it, that, that, that story will give you not only kind of the hard facts of it, but kind of like an entry into there you go. Cuban saying. Um, and the other thing I had for you really quickly is, uh, is a recommendation on uh, Netflix. I'm sorry, sorry, is on BritBox. Um, BritBox has started doing their own originals. Uh, and if you're a Ray Donovan fan, uh, the actress's name is escaping me, uh, was, was, uh, was an interest of Ray Donovan on the show, has her own, she's Irish. Uh, she is an Irish, I mean, so she is a cop in Liverpool uh, who's a strange daughter dies and all of a sudden she is now the grandmother of these two teenage kids uh and solving crimes in dublin it doesn't sound like it would work it absolutely does it's uh it's called redemption and it's on britbox and if uh i've recommended other britbox stuff on, on here like yeah, no, Shetland. no one uh, consumes more uk content than you steve than i in my entire life but redemption and it's great because it's like six episodes i mean so the, right. the entire season six it's a it's a low ask it's not like I'm saying, you know, here's 22 episodes that you have to watch for the season. <laughs> uh, but my wife and I just finished it and it, it is, it, it was, we were thoroughly entertained. It was, it was very, very good. Well, um, we you do get a little British crime. You get a little, yeah. You get a little fam- yeah I, I love, I love all the shows that I hear you recommend. I don't know. I'm a little bit like Chad's dad. I don't know how to go find any of them sometimes. Oh, stop. So, so uh, go check stop. out. All- I've seen the setup in your house. Stop. <laughs> um, uh, hey, sometimes it's by choice. Uh, ignorance by choice. Um, okay. So th- special thanks to Chad Withrow for joining us. Make sure you go to Jasper's, of course, the next evolution of the sports bar. Great place to hang out, watch games all summer long. they got the patio, the game room. It is truly a, a, spe- a spectacular place to go no matter what time of day. No matter what event, no matter what you need to do, Jasper's is your spot, so go over there. Uh, NashvilleBanner.com, go there. Sign up for the newsletter. Steve and Demetria will just shoot you some cool news, like right into your inbox there. So make sure you go to the NashvilleBanner.com. And please, please, please share this product. Check out the YouTube page. Support all of our wonderful partners, all that great stuff. So that just about does it. Uh, again, thanks to Chad for joining us. For Steve, I'm Braden. Thanks for hanging out. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.